If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Okay, so here we are in the podcast that comes after Slightly Civil War. Oh, wow, we Gosh, how unexpected. <laughs> now we're here. Game length. Yes. Are games too long? Well, I think we are both in agreement that it's they're certainly inconveniently long for career games commentators such as ourselves. That is true. Especially when you look at stuff like uh, the modern trend of the open world action stealth adventure with crafting and uh, and side quests. Absolutely. If you try to if you try to you know fulfill a forty hour obligation, that is your entire week. That's your entire work week. Yeah, you just that's like playing eight hours a day, like a full time shift. Right. And th- and that that gives you pr- you know little time to write down your thoughts, edit those thoughts, compile them into a video medium. It can vary based on whether you're just powering through story and skipping the side stuff. Mm-hmm. Some games you can get through the story in like sixteen hours, and then if you do the side stuff, it'll bump it up to like sixty. Mm-hmm. Uh, some oh, games absolutely. are a bit mad with that. <laughs> well and i th- i think you know of course the, the general caveat of it really depends on the game yes yes which which is is true but what i will say is if i if i can try to step outside of my own bubble of games commentary i i see so much bloat both in story and in gameplay, where you can really trim so much fat off of modern games. I am in full agreement, sadly. So much for that debate. <laughs> um, I was specifically thinking of The Last of Us 2 at this point, mm-hmm. because that is a game that I think I've said before, you could strip six hours out of it and lose absolutely nothing. Oh, yeah. And the reason, and the and sure, I mean... Some people might appreciate having the extra time to to kill their precious time on Earth with. But it means that the game has a very severe pacing issue. Mm-hmm. There needs there need to be emotional highs that crack off at exactly the right time for a story as presented to work on your emotions in the optimal fashion. Oh, sure. I, I mean, not just that. The, speaking specifically of The Last of Us Part Two, like you can lop off the final two hours of that game and you're exactly at the same story beats of yeah yeah yeah. of of ellie being sad for not killing abby and abby not being dead like it's it's the exact same two hours from the ending and in the ending so like like there's there's fat to be trimmed within the story but also there's an extra ending that's unnecessary yeah it's mad it's very and it's and it's detrimental to the industry in general because I think again, as we've said before, if we just if they just hacked out those six hours and then used and then took the money they saved from not making those six hours, they mm-hmm. could have had like a side team working on something artistically more valid and a little riskier. Right. I mean this this used to be the case. There was a game let me check uh Fact Yahtzee's Wikipedia. <laughs> 
There was an in, there was yes. um what was it by? Yeah, Insomniac Games back in 2016 made a game called Song of the Deep that was like a indie style hmm. Metroidvania 2D Metroidvania. Yeah, yeah, about a small child in a scary world. And that was by Insomniac Games who make like huge games. Yeah, they, they, make they made the Spider-Man, yeah. Yeah, so they these big developers used to be able to do stuff on the side as recently as 2016. Mhm. And that's what they could be doing with all the money they're spending on making these huge AAA games even huger. <laughs> do you think? Do you think it's like a chicken egg situation where the expectation is a AAA game needs to be twenty hours, and so the developers make their game twenty hours, which sets the expectation that a game needs to be twenty hours? I don't think this is an expectation on the audience's part. I think this is an expectation entirely created by the marketing that surrounds video games. Sure. Everything sure. having to be bigger and better and more impressive than the last thing. <laughs> and and then, you know, something like Small and Low Key comes out and does amazingly well because it's just good. Right. Like your Undertales and your... Um, what's a good example of that in, more, in a more AAA sort of sector? An Undertale-esque, like, arty-farty? No, let me think. Let me just uh, look on my list of recent releases. Absolutely, or Disco Elysium. I know you you yeah, you love yeah, that, that one. I mean, those are smaller things that do their job better because they're more focused. Sure. Like you want to look look to a game like Portal. Yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> Portal, where they just uh, strip things down and refine things and concentrate on making a focused experience rather than just the, the new thing being bigger all the time. Sure, and of course that's an older title and theoretically an quote-unquote indie game. And it smacks of the lack of specific people in charge and with visions and mm-hmm. who can who think to say things like, no, let's not just mindlessly make the next thing bigger. <laughs> I mean, a lot of these franchises are in a sort of Sorcerer's Apprentice position. Mm-hmm. I've, I've long thought Assassin's Creed is in this position, where there's no specific direction in that anyone has put in place anymore it's just make the next one sure uh oh okay how about this for a big title that that kind of broke new ground uh the the new god of war that was yeah that did break ground for the specific franchise not so much for Mm. gaming in general right oh sure i'm just i'm just trying to think of a a big triple a title that clearly had an auteur at the head yeah that had um design behind it mm-hmm. and then i'd be prepared to say <laughs> have you found anything more recent not re- looking up wikipedia not really but i think god of war is a classic example of a game that is also too long 100 percent too long yeah way too much crap way too and, and that was a such an easy fix in in my opinion which is open up the world after the story is done if if you would have saved all the open world crap for after the story would have been done we would have had a nice tight little story and then the players could explore to their heart's content yeah that would have worked little victory lap at the end yeah do all the do all the crap at the end i remember playing the game and like three or four times throughout the plot you complete a chapter and you, your little sprog whatever his name was says to you hey we can move on to the next plot element or we could piss around for a bit if you like <laughs> and every time it happened i was like you can't fool me you little twat <laughs> You know full well if we explore, we're going to find things that can only be opened with endgame equipment. So mm. we're continuing with the plot, asshole. Are you, t- are you talking about your head or your boy? I, either one. The, I remember, the, I remember it was the boy usually saying it. 
Atreus or Atreus. Atre- yeah, yeah Atreus. Atreus. Always saying, hey, we could do the next plot or we could piss about. It's up to you. <laughs> and frankly, it, the attitude of it's up to you annoys me in AAA design. Sure. Okay. Because it, you know, absolves the designer of actually crafting an experience for us. Is just saying, hey, take whatever you want out of this, player. Mm-hmm. We're not going to detect how you have fun. You want to stealth through? You want to action through? <laughs> then uh, go nuts. That's the attitude pervading the stealth open world action adventure. But when you take some, when you say, no, this game is about shooting the crap out of demons and nothing else. That's when you get your Doom 2016s, because sure. you know, it's not some namby-pamby, ooh, play it your way thing. It's the it's the author saying, no, I'm the author and you're playing it my way, bitch. <laughs> and, you know, I know we've had a little, we have a little disagreement over Ghost of Tsushima, which is our latest example of the open world stealth action, choose your own way thing. And I do think if they would have made it a pure combat experience, I thought the combat was very well refined. Like it was, it was more of a, more of a Sekiro like situation. Sure, like you could have putting all your dumping all your skills and and talent into the combat side could have made it a much more visceral experience. Well, having said that, Sekiro had a stealth element as well, didn't it? And I, I always thought it was a little bit out of place. Did it? Oh, I don't remember at this point. You know, you could like you could hop up onto trees and jump down and, ass- and assassinate people. Oh, sure, sure, okay. I always thought it was a bit out of place because you could like get through the whole map doing that, and then you get locked into a boss fight, and then you have had no practice. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. I was going to make a, a, a weird comparison and hope it it got us off into a talking point, which is. The the length for things is often dictated by other constraints. Uh, famously in Shakespearean time, the reason that they had five acts, each act, you know, being a specific amount of time is because that's how long it took the candles to burn down their wax. Ah, interesting. I did not know that. That does make sense, though. <laughs> There's a fun little fact for you. So every act break was them replacing the candles in the theater. Uh, similarly with movies, generally a movie is about an hour and a half to two hours. So they can fit as many movie screenings into uh, a time slot as possible. Well, that's kind of changed, hasn't it? <laughs> that... Everything's two and a half to three hours. And mm-hmm. They don't even have a intermission anymore. So you can you can rest your numb bum. You know what? I we need we need a, a return of the intermission if movies are going to continue to be this long. I would have loved an intermission for Avengers Endgame. Just too long. Just too dang long. No, an intermission would acknowledge that the audience are human beings and not dairy cows. <laughs> well, but and of course uh, that that's not even getting into the Netflix bloat, which to be fair, you can pause at any time. But I, I suppose the the point I'm trying to make here is a lot of times. We have there there were these natural constraints that kept things to a certain length of time that created a standard. Yes. And we don't really have that for video games and so you know we a game can be 3 hours, a half hour, 40 hours. We don't have that standard that you can fit your piece of art into. No, I suppose that's true. I mean, I was going to say that there used to be the constraint of how much you can fit on a disc, yeah, or yeah. in a standard download size. But uh, you can make a you can make a three hour game out of a hundred meg download, and you can make a four hour game out of a sixty gig download. 
<laughs> it, yeah, it's just a matter of uh, how much shit they piled in. Exactly. And, and, and whether the gameplay supports, you know, repetitive loops and all that. <laughs> no, there's never really been a standard for how long a game should be. If you look at something like uh, 2D adventure games, if you knew the solutions, you could plow through those in like two hours. Oh, right. Absolutely. But but then you get like big old grindathon RPGs. <laughs> oh, I've played many a Final Fantasy game for well over 20 hours, yes. I'll tell you what I'm not looking forward to. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking forward to playing Marvel's Avengers later this month. Oh, and, uh, I, I, played, uh, I played the beta. I know you did. I saw it on my little slightly intrusive what your friends are doing Steam thing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Nick and, I, Nick and I wanted to talk about the beta over in the Escapist show, so I plowed through like three hours. You are not going to have a good time, my friend. I <laughs> can't imagine I would because I look at it and it's, it's just creating a framework for continuous live service grind is the impression I'm getting from it. You've you've nailed it already. Uh, now imagine a, a live service grind with combat that feels wet as a limp noodle. That's an interesting choice of words, wet. <laughs> I mean, I, I understand combat feeling smooth. I understand it feeling clunky. Explain what you mean by combat feeling wet. Uh, no, that was Jack's classic dyslexia popping up. Combat feels limp as a wet noodle. Right. So it's lacking uh, the little the little touches that add impact to the to the uh they add a visceral feel to the combat exactly the all the everything you hit lacks that special animation that like weighty combat feel and so yeah you're just slapping robots and they fall down there is an art to that i Mm, think mm -hmm. it's all in little details if you look i mean i used to be friends with the guys who made fruit ninja Mm mm-hmm and uh, I've heard them talk about it. And if you if you play Fruit Ninja, it's a simple enough game. You swipe the fruit and they split up. But it's very satisfying to do so. And apparently there's something like 20 or 30 individual elements that goes into the fruit getting slit. Really? There's a little swoosh from your blade. There's splashes of juice. There's uh, like flashes. There's bits of fruit flying off in different directions. There's three different sounds. <laughs> it's... There's a lot of little details that goes into making something feel viscerally satisfying. And a lot of games fall short on that. Well, I suppose that that speaks to why Fruit Ninja is Fruit Ninja and everything else is a Fruit Ninja clone. I guess. It's the difference. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and, and yeah, it's it, it, really it, like the the our game's too long. Our uh, talk folds so nicely into Marvel Avengers and games as a live service. You know, season passes to games, just more churning content. Yeah, the prevailing wind in this sort of video game design area is that they want to make people play games for as long as possible. Yes. And if they can't do it by making them engaged with the story, they'll do it with um, insidious heroine-style live service micropayment grinding tactics poking the serotonin yes the, the little world of warcraft watch the bar go up Ooh, ooh! now now you leveled up now you get a new bar Ooh, you got the little burst of energy and the little pat on the head now do what you just did but twice as much yeah and every time this happens it'll be twice as much again but you have to do it if you want to see that little flash again now your bar has a gold rim on it Ooh. In those cases, yes. 
Those games are definitely too long. They are too long by design, so it's pointless to point out that these games are too long. Well, it's like I said, like they're probably two different conversations, but one is one is a bloat, one is an insidious this game will never end to keep giving us money, but there there's a connection there. Yeah. There's a connection there in standards and in perception, I think. Like perception on what makes what makes a re- a full game experience? Well, for me, I've talked about this in my reviews in the past, but there are two kinds of games. There are games that make you feel and games that make you numb. Emotionally, I mean. <laughs> and the games I like are the games that make me feel. Yes. I mean, Ghost of Tsushima, Last of Us 2, these are the games designed to make us feel. And mm. they they fall flat in certain places just because of the bloat. Mm-hmm. But uh, stuff like your Marvel Avengers and everything in that live servicey sort of vein, mm-hmm. these are games designed to make you numb. You're not desi- you're not supposed to be feeling. You're supposed to be just. You're supposed to be the rat pressing the button to make the treats come out. Mm, uh, uh, over yes. and o- over and over again, you are being farmed like the dairy cows of aforementioned. <laughs> oh, and it's Marvel again! Dang it! Yeah. So in many ways, those games making me not feel is uh mm-hmm. a sign that they're doing the job they set out to do perfectly well well done boys <laughs> oh that's so sad and discussions about the games being too long sort of fall flat sure. too long too long to do what too long to turn you into an emotionally numb rat certainly not mm-hmm. uh, uh, any length is perfectly long enough to do that when we talk about a game being too long, it's because it's one of the games that's trying to make us feel. And it's opportunities to make us feel are falling flat because it's too long. Mm-hmm. Our, we, can, we see a story moment that gets us engaged, and then it just there's too much like grind in between those moments. Yeah. So that engagement sort of falls away until we're bored. Yeah. And that's when the game's too long. There you get there you go. I solved the I solved the question. <laughs> well, and uh, you know, do you know the thing that I think is really going to solve this situation? Tell me. Is unionization. What? The the developers or the players? The developers. If if uh and you know, I think looking at a parallel like the movie industry and you know the the way in which movies are made are very tightly regulated because everyone on a movie set has a, a union to make sure that no one is exploited once game developers have a strong enough union presence they will push back as far as game development time is concerned as far as crunch is concerned forcing the triple a developers to think in a smaller scale as they like i said in the episode are greedy bastards who want to suck all the energy out of all of their employees uh so in order to balance the checkbooks they're going to start putting out these shorter narrative experiences uh what is the rabbit out of the hat now do the players now expect games to be a certain length uh yes are they gonna they, is there going to be a backlash from the players? There will be. Who who, who have very little concerns for the plights of the crunch-afflicted <laughs> developer? There absolutely will be, but uh, they'll get used to it. <laughs> well, I guess they'll have to. <laughs> or maybe they could try making games themselves if they think it's so easy. Right. Assholes. 
<laughs> but you know, but just like just like Ubisoft, they'll try to they'll try to animate one woman, and it'll be way too hard. So they'll have to make them all men. Well, yes. I mean, <laughs> I mean uh, you can't have a woman just walk like a man does. She has to like wiggle her hips left and right. That's that's just how women walk. I've seen it. Right. It's just significantly more jiggle physics. Yes. It's hard. It's hard. Uh, games are too long. I f- I feel like even as a player, and I, I suppose to to find a wrap up or a, or another point or whatnot, even as a player, you can feel when a game stops engaging you with that bloat that we keep talking about. Well, yes, it's when you feel bored. It's mm-hmm. when you feel distracted. It's when you want to put a podcast on <laughs> to get through the rest of it. Right, and and so I I hope that there is a call for shorter games. More engaging experiences, especially games that focus on a narrative, because while like like I said, while, you know, the the modern three act structure of movies have more to do with the time limits of movie theaters, having, you know, those acts be that number of minutes is, I think, a really great focus point for the viewer. Hmm. And if we can translate that over into games, giving players simple focus points, uh, it'll it'll make a more engaging experience. If you could create some kind of algorithm to decide exactly how long a story moment needs to be for maximum focus, I'm sure AAA development would respond well to that. <laughs> oh no! Oh Jesus! That's now we're getting into like Netflix algorithm terror hmm. terror territory. Yeah. Next, we'll be inventing the novel writing machines from Orwell's 1984. <laughs> well, you know, I, uh, I I was just talking I was just talking to uh, Bob and Darren, the our escapist resident movie experts, about the Netflix algorithm and the amount of information Netflix has on its customers' watching habits is frankly staggering. And they make that information available to the filmmakers, mm. where they say. From our data, we can tell you exactly when users pause. We can tell you exactly when users fast forward, when they skip the the title screen, when they do this, when they do this. And that is informing filmmakers on how to edit and produce their next films. Not necessarily a bad thing. No, no. It, it It's more user engagement. Isn't this been going on for years in the world of pop music? Didn't they develop ages ago, like the algorithm that defines what makes a pop song catchy? <laughs> Did and, they? That, and there's some like big companies that control it. And every now and again, when they've got like a, they've signed up a new teen idol they want to push, they just feed some information into the algorithm, and out pops their next big hit. <laughs> I I don't know as much about pop music, so I I don't know of this that you speak, but it sounds very correct. I have I have heard this. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. There are certain rhythms that the human mind responds best to. Of course. Well, and, and we I can only assume I don't know if Steam collects this data or the Epic Store or GOG, but they have the tools to collect this data for the games that we play. Well, it's it might not be um, fully automated and algorithmized, but uh, mm. there's, I mean, I think when you talk about there needing to be a reckoning, and the demand for shorter games, that sort of thing will be driven next time a really big short game comes out and does really, really well. Mm, okay. Because that's, that's how it works. The, big, the next big hit that takes a risk comes out eventually, inevitably, <laughs> does really well, and everyone's like, hey, we want to be as good as that. So mm. they copy what it did. I mean, at the moment, the flash in the pan would be probably Fall Guys. 
Yeah. There's probably already quite a few knockoffs of that in the works. Sure, but Fall Guys is also just a, a response to general uh, uh, Battle Royale. Yeah. But Battle Royale, but accessible to people who don't want to practice sniping 24 hours a day. Right, exactly. So, yeah. So there's everyone's going to be focusing on knocking that off and making the money out of that for a while. So uh, eventually everyone will get bored of that. That's true. And sooner or later, the only real guarantee of success is making something original and good. That everyone else can ape off of. So we Yeah, rip, ripping off what's popular and uh, exploiting the stupids has diminishing returns we need the next portal the next the next huge game that in all reality takes under an hour to beat (laughs) yeah i mean portal is a good example because it was made as a side thing by a big developer yeah because what do you know the people in big developers actually know how to make games and uh, have been working on them long enough to be able to knock something off on the side that's really good and they and they they used their their big seller the their their half-life series as a actual tent pole to hold up a smaller game yes that's like we've talked about tent poles holding up experimental ideas that may or may not work but have some (laughs) energy and artistic drive behind it tent poles not crucifixes hashtag exactly not just crucifixes as far as the eye can see (laughs) you know it it all goes back to that simple message yeah tent poles not crucifixes (laughs) snappy but uh, you can't really understand it without a lengthy explanation. Yeah, that's fair. We'll work on that. We'll work yeah. on that for next time. Ten poles, not um, um, gallows. Ugh. <laughs> a little dark. You know, you know something in mean, crucifixes is a bit awkward to say. Ten poles, not flagpoles? No. What's this? I mean, I thought of like... What's a wooden structure that's got immediate ominous connotations? A gibbet. A, g- a guillotine. Ooh, sure. Tent poles, not gibbets. Ooh, ooh, what about tent poles, not obelisks? See, obelisks can be good. Can, uh, uh, when has an obelisk been good? <laughs> well, he's Asterix's friend. What? European comics joke. <sighs> oh, I'm sure there's like dozens of people who are laughing very hard. I'm going to go with tent poles, not that. gibbets for now. <laughs> All right. Well, let's. Uh, that's your homework for tonight, listeners. Go tre- <laughs> go start trending. Tent poles, not gibbets. Tent poles, not gibbets. Uh, that's the hashtag. Hashtag tent poles, not gibbets. Release the crunch victims. Yes. Make indie stuff on the side. Boom. There you go. Well, great. Thanks for listening, everyone. This has been the podcast that comes after Slightly Civil War. Remember that this conversation was based on an episode of Slightly Civil War, Our Games Too Long. You can watch that over on escapistmagazine.com and also become an Escapist Plus member where you can watch ad-free videos, ask the creators questions. You can be a YouTube subscriber, a YouTube Plus member, and you get a fancy little emote when you chat with us uh, during our live streams. You can also watch our content on YouTube a week before it's released, also ad-free. And remember to follow us all on Twitter. I'm at Yahtzee Croshaw. And I'm at Harlack. I think that's everything. That's all the plugs, baby. Okay. See you next time, everyone. Ten poles, not gibbets. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Ten poles, not gibbets.